Welcome to the 321 Biz Development Podcast and the White Collar Sales Pro Show on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Clarence Rick Napier, CEO 321 Biz Dev LLC, located in Sacramento County, California. Today is Thursday, April 9th, 2020. 321 Biz Dev LLC brings a combination of sales system training, business development services, and website design to worldwide business owners of any size. Our business is people, our product is sales performance. We tell business owners exactly what they need to know and why they need to know it without any gimmicks or fluff. We know what the sales performance struggle is like because we were once there too. The 321 team can help business owners meet or exceed their revenue expectations. 321 is the company to call if you or your sales team want to master the following four main sales functions. Contacting, prospecting, appointment setting, and closing. 321 BizDev services are available worldwide where the English language is spoken. We can be reached toll-free in the U.S. and Canada at 833-321-3212 or internationally using WhatsApp at country code 1-415-515-6760. I am proud to announce that we have over 100 hours of business development content and interviews with business owners from around the world. And if you would like to support the 321 Biz Development Podcast, please look us up on Patreon and look up 321 Biz Development. Today's podcast episode listeners is titled Five Podcast Episode Topics in One Podcast Episode uh, to Help Small Business Owners Find Clarity with the Current COVID-19 Situation. Now, today's topics are as follows, and what I will do is list the five topics, and then I will get right into it. I'm not using any notes. We don't need to use any notes. I'm not going to edit this podcast uh, episode for any uh, blips and blunders, because this stuff comes straight from experience. It is very uh, vital information for white-collar small business owners who are trying to make sense of this COVID-19 situation and how some in America have betrayed the white collar small business owner, hardworking Americans, and have disrupted their lives significantly. So the five topics are as follows. Number one, today's topics are as follows. Number one, the best way to show kindness, love to one another, and help your community is to support capitalism by electing local, state, congressional, and presidential candidates who support capitalism. Number two, will small business owners and hard-working employees still vote for Democrats after experiencing this economic fiasco? Number three, independent attorneys, CPAs, dentists, plastic surgeons, insurance brokers, and real estate brokers are all hurting financially and 321 biz dev have we have the solution number four with a few exceptions most white collar small business owners are experiencing major financial shortcomings after the third week of being shut down 
but you still can find customers even now. And this is the message for a white collar small business owners, like I mentioned, the independent attorneys, CPAs, dentists, plastic surgeons, insurance brokers, uh, and real estate brokers. And number five, when socialist politicians could not destroy President Donald Trump politically, the socialists activated their plan B, which is destroy the small business owners and hardworking Americans. So those are the topics. So let's get right into it. Let's start with topic number one, which is the best way to show kindness, love to one another, and to help your community is to support capitalism and elect the, uh, uh, you know, uh, capitalist, local, state, congressional and presidential candidates. And I mean, President Donald Trump. So, you know what? Gosh, you know, when I was, uh, you know, when I was uh, working in corporate America, I used to be a sales vice president at a Fortune 500 company in Los Angeles selling uh, health insurance products. And I worked uh, all over the state and ended up working also outside the state in Washington, Oregon, um, Hawaii, because we had, uh, you know, uh, business in different states uh, back up until the year 2000. And uh, so I have a strong economic and business background. I went to Golden Gate University in San Francisco, majoring in business management and minoring in economics with uh, five uh, hardcore classes in economics. When I, you know, left corporate America and started working as an independent insurance agent and real estate agent, and then fast forward when I started uh, looking at running a consulting firm or opening a consulting firm in 2009, 2010, after the devastation of the 2008, 2009 real estate crisis, I started looking at how small business owners operated. Now, granted, I come from the corporate background where dollars are much higher, uh, you know, deals are much higher, the, the marketing budget was much higher, and marketing was essentially needed. Looking at small business owners who faced devastation and did shut down, the same way that small business owners are, are feeling the, the economic devastation of this COVID-19 thing, you know, I, when, I, when I was working as a small business owner myself, I used to not think about uh, political, you know, you know, you know, the politics of doing business or the politics of my clients. I never considered whether or not my potential client was a Democrat or a Republican. And myself, I'm an independent. That's how I'm a registered independent voter here in California. But I was never concerned with what my political uh, what my client's political position was because every person has a right to be in business if they want to be in business. So I just went with that. And uh, so I found out that some of my, my clients were, were Democrats and they owned businesses just like people I knew that were Republicans who owned businesses. So everything was pretty cool here in California until about, I want to say like 2000 five when I started noticing at least here in California that the California politicians mainly Democrats were starting to uh, pass legislation that would primarily hurt small business owners 
and small business owners would sort of shrug it off and they would still you know operate still have a business to to own but then it became increasingly um, difficult for some small business owners to function here in California in fact I had one friend who's a still still a friend today he lost his auto repair shop because he was fixing too many cars in other words uh, California at that time did not want older cars on the freeway because they were supposedly emitting some kind of emission I believe what it was it was a combination of some of these auto dealers who wanted older cars off the freeway so that Californians could rush into these auto shop or these auto dealers and buy new cars some of it was that some of it was some of the environmentalists in California who believe that uh, uh, more people should be driving these electric cars like the Prius and some of these uh, hybrid cars so whatever the reason my friend lost his auto repair shop because he was fixing too many older cars, meaning he was making the cars pass smog. Now, was he rigging the cars so that they, they pass smog fraudulently? No, he was fixing the cars, you know, replacing the parts that were causing, uh, you know, high emissions in California. So he was almost like rebuilding some parts of the car and you know performing maintenance so that the car could run because some people could not afford to go out and buy a new car nor that people want to buy an electric car like a Prius or a hybrid car so he was doing his job as an auto mechanic shop owner and the state of California just shut him down because he was fixing too many older cars I'm totally serious about that he's a he's a friend today and he's an army veteran and that was just pathetic so so as time went on I started seeing more small business owners here in California start to leave the state in fact there was one uh, major corporation here in California out in Folsom which is about 10 miles from my house uh, 10 miles from my business and a California legislator basically said if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, which is like really out of the, out of the, I mean, it wasn't even really make sense what uh, this California uh, uh, politician was asking this CEO to do with his business. You know, I'm going to make it difficult for you to be in business here in California. So the small, the business owner in, in Folsom said, look, if you keep harassing me, I'm going to move my business to Texas. And the California politician said, well, if you do, we will just replace your business with another business that wants to come into California that will take your place. So two years later, this CEO closed his business in California and moved to Texas. And we found out that per year, his business and the, and the employees that were, that, were, that were working for that company put $200 million dollars into into Sacramento County, El Dorado County, within the Sacramento metropolitan region, his company and the employees spent about two hundred million dollars in the local economy. So when this guy left, you know those those hundred and fifty employees who made like sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars, which was you know pretty decent income for California. It wasn't trust me in California, 
$80,000 in California is not the same as $80,000 in, in Texas, Alabama, or Florida. But some of the employees moved to Texas. Some may have found other jobs. Some, you know, did what it, whatever they had to do. So that was one of the first signs I noticed where these politicians, and primarily I'm talking about Democrats, I'm t- and I would say totally I'm talking about Democrats, began to not want small business owners to to succeed because small business owners represent this this political component called you know they're they're free they're independent thinkers they believe in profit and when people believe in profit they typically vote for you know republicans they vote for independents they vote for people who believe in the free enterprise system so i just wanted to start with that so let's talk about this kindness thing, this this helping your community uh, to love one another. I want everyone to read the Communist Manifesto written by Karl Marx and Friedrich Engel back in the late 1800s. They wrote this Communist Manifesto and that was the beginning of what we now know as communism. So in this communist manifesto, when you read it, you know, it, it's going to start sounding like it's going to start sounding. OK, OK. And then you get about maybe 20 percent into it. You may start to see words or words close to kindness, love for, for one another, the community. And these words typically are used in this fashion today. So when you hear these words by politicians primarily socialist politicians and even some companies who may not understand the the context of where these words came from these words tend to make people feel like we're all in this together you may have heard that phrase we're all in this together showing kindness love to one another helping the community kind of gives uh, people the impression that we all should um, we all should uh, be the same. We all should have the same things. So the, the, the guy who's not doing as well should have somewhat similar uh, benefits, advantages, and lifestyle as the person doing extremely well. And that's one of the uh, communist uh, uh, things that they, they, they promoted, that if you are struggling, there's no way that you should be struggling, okay? And if you're very wealthy, there's no reason why you should be very wealthy. Everyone should be in the same category. So these words, when you hear, when you hear these words, especially out of socialists, uh, socialists and people who lean toward communism, kindness, love to one another, and to help your community, especially when it's, when it's put out there in a political context, Meaning that if you are a hard worker and you happen to make six figures, then there's something wrong with how you're making uh, $100,000 or half a million dollars where this other person is barely making it. Now, granted, the person who is barely making it, there could be reasons why that person is barely making it. Maybe that person didn't graduate from high school. Maybe this person has a, a, a legitimate a disability and they can't function well the United States of America understands a person 
who uh, may not have graduated from college or may have a disability. There are training programs for people who identify themselves as, you know what, I'm not making a lot of money. Well, the, the United States have, they have, we have training programs where you can go to school for almost free, you know, and learn how to be an auto mechanic. So you can lift yourself up. Right now, there are, are um, free or, al or almost free programs where you can learn how to be a computer programmer. You can, you know, take classes to learn how to program computers and start making $45, $50 an hour. Even myself, when I left corporate America and I was sort of interested in this technology thing, because I worked in, when I was in the military, I kind of worked with technology. And when I quit corporate America, this technology boom was happening. And this is right before the dot-com bust. So my timing was not <laughs> as great as I thought it was. But I found this program that was a Cisco certification program at a local high school where it taught you how to prepare for the Cisco certific Certified Networking Associate uh, certification. And the class was paid for by the county. And, you know, but I had to show up for that class. So I had enough interest in it and others, you know, were in the class. And so I completed a nine month program that would have cost $10,000. So I am uh, not interested in hearing people tell me that there are no opportunities in America. If you are behind the eight ball financially and you want to improve yourself, there are many different ways you can do that in America that may not even cost a dime. And for people who are disabled, they have a disability, there are programs where people, you know, have reduced rent, have reduced uh, cable, reduced phone. Uh, they have access to Section 8 housing for almost nothing. In fact, I know um, uh, of two people who are cousins and they have uh, like a cerebral palsy situation. They go to work every day and they are battling this, the California government because if they work too hard, they lose some of their, you know, uh, disability benefits. So I, like I said, I'm not a young guy. I've been around for a while and I know that if people want to succeed in America, there are opportunities for everyone, regardless of your background, uh, to succeed. Now, how capitalism plays into this, you know what? You can show kindness, love to one another, and help your community by embracing capitalism. See, a lot of people paint capitalism as a bad thing, but capitalism is a way to show kindness. It is a way to show love to one another. And it, it is a way, it, that is a way to help your community. And here's why. When capitalism is embraced, that means you have a small business owner, male or female, that wants to succeed in their business. They're, they're the presidents, they're the CEOs. And I'm primarily talking about private sector businesses, not a nonprofit. And I'm not talking about necessarily a government contract, even though that qualifies sort of if you're a, a, a mi minority uh, owned business and you get a government contract. I sort of uh, can, I can relate to that as being a private sector business, but I'm primarily talking about the, pri the, the uh, private sector business owner who has to take a product or service, 
you know, develop it, refine it, make it marketable and make and have consumers want that product or service. There has to be a demand for that product or service. So capitalism does that. And like I said, here's how. If you are a man or a woman and you have a business and your goal is to uh, capture part of the market share, especially if you have an existing product or service, um, you know, if you're successful at it, then you'll need to hire people. If your company is growing from from one million to five million dollars in sales per year, that means you get to hire you. You need to hire people, and as you continue to grow, you are hiring more and more people, and that is helping people,、uh, you know, succeed in their life, to have families, to pay their bills, to buy a house, or to be able to pay rent, and that is a form of showing kindness. That is a, a, a form of showing love when you take someone who、uh, is looking for a job and you offer them a job at a at a market salary, and that person is able to go to work, and that person is able to raise a family, and buy a house or to pay rent, you know, consistently. That that is a that is a benefit of capitalism, and when more people in the community are working, that has shown. That it reduces crime, you know. Crime is a result of, you know, some people not being able to find a job, but they need to eat, so they commit crimes for money, or maybe they have a drug habit and they need to they need to support their drug habit, so they commit crimes for money. They commit crimes to buy drugs. So capitalism is that way to show kindness, love to one another, and to help your community. Now, the last thing I want to talk about. For this first episode, is that we need to elect. If you're listening to this、uh, podcast episode, and you are a small business owner, a white collar small business owner, or you are a hard worker, we need to elect more people, more politicians who believe in capitalism. You know, listener, you may find this interesting, but only one percent of college graduates. Ever study economics? That's a stat.、Uh, that's a statistic that you can look up. Only one percent of college-educated people have studied economics, and that's a shame. So you have to imagine that in our in our these politicians, I would say that you know most of them have never studied economics, and if these politicians have that socialist、uh, Democrat or that Democrat socialist leaning. They probably have never studied social uh, uh, economics, and you know, so <laughs> it's almost like they don't want、uh, Americans to succeed. They don't want business owners to succeed. They don't want hardworking American employees to make money and to have jobs and to go home and pay rent and pay paid mortgages and raise a family. They don't want that. So I'm pleading to you, if you are a small business owner. And、um, you know, you never really thought about who you're who you're voting for. Let this COVID nineteen thing be a eye opener to you, because this COVID nineteen thing has not just hurt、uh, Republican business owners; it has hurt Democrat business owners. And if you are a Democrat business owner, you are feeling the the, the pain. I was listening to this radio show. Where this、uh, Harlem 
uh, business owner who happens to be uh, African-American. She had a restaurant and she saved money under her mattress for this restaurant. And 16 years ago, she opened this restaurant. She has been crushed. She had, she's had to lay off 80% of her employees. She has had to have like a like pickup or drive through uh, business for the restaurant. And for the most part, when you have to scale your, your business down, especially a restaurant like that, then you're, you're pretty much not making any money. You're just staying open just for pennies on a dollar. You're probably not making money because all the money is being uh, spent on, on food, on supplies to, you know, to, to, to have the restaurant open. And then you're paying the few employees that you have on staff so they can put money in her, in their pockets. So this female African-American restaurant owner is devastated. And I tell you what, I may not even have to talk about this on my podcast because so many young employees that work at Starbucks, that work fast food, that, that, that have their first job in the private sector, you know, after uh, graduating from college or, you know, graduating from high school, they are devastated and they are very upset that, you know, that their, 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 their employment opportunities are being just, uh, be not justified, uh, their employment opportunities are being um, put at risk because of these, this COVID-19 thing, which has, in my opinion, has been a premeditated way to hurt the economy and to uh, harm, you know, politically Donald Trump. So let's move on to the next topic. And the next topic kind of, you know, uh, dives into what I just finished saying. Will small business owners and hardworking employees still vote for Democrats after experiencing this economic fiasco? So again, and I'm going to add more to this than I did in the first episode. You know, a lot of people, you know, when they own businesses and, and they work, they took for granted that they would always have a paycheck, that their business would always be open. And for the most part, most business owners didn't really think about who they voted for. You know, they maybe they hated uh, Donald Trump for whatever reason. You know, bad, what is it, orange man bad? Hey, I kind of like that phrase. I like that phrase. I think Trump needs to run with that because that's a pretty cool phrase. Even though it was put out there to hurt him, I kind of like that phrase. But anyway, a lot of uh, Democrat business owners and Democrat hard working employees just took for granted that they would always get a paycheck. And I'm talking about private sector business owners because uh, in, in here, at least in California and probably in the rest of the U.S., a lot of federal, state and county workers, they are still getting paid. OK, they're not they're not being furloughed. They're getting 100 percent of their paychecks and they're not feeling the pinch that the small business owner, the private sector, small business owner and private sector, hard working American uh, worker is experiencing. So these Democrat business owners and, and hardworking uh, employees, and I have, I know, and I, I know a few, and I have a lot of relatives who are Democrats, hardworking employees. They're sitting at home. Some are being paid, some are not. See, and before uh, March 11th, 2020, you know, I had friends, relatives, and I knew some small business owners, again, that were taking it for granted that they would always have a business. 
and that they would always have a job. And now they're being told that this COVID-19 thing is such a great, you know, health concern that, you know, 5,000 people who have died in America. And from what I can tell, not all have died from coronavirus. Some have uh, died because they had pre-existing conditions already. So it seems like, you know, some people, not all, but if you have the if you have the coronavirus and you had something else, they're saying you passed away or you had uh, you died from the coronavirus, or if you're very ill and you had pre-existing respiratory issues, they're saying that you have the coronavirus and that's causing your your pain and suffering, or you know, God for you know, God forbid, people die. So a lot of these people are saying, you know, 5,000 deaths, you know, 100,000 cases. And it's so easy to be called a case. I mean, I don't want to get into this COVID thing too much in detail on this podcast episode. But, you know, a lot of Democrat business owners and hardworking employees are saying this. Wait a minute. We're doing all this for a alleged, you know, uh, respiratory illness that killed 10,000 people back when Obama was president in 2009 and we didn't shut down. And now we're shutting down because of you know something that's out there. And the average person, like for me, I can call 50 people right now and I have contacted, you know, at least half of them via email or uh, a telephone call and they're not sick. And some of them have called their 25 to 50 friends and they're not sick. So anyway, I just want to let people know that that I believe right now President Trump is going to win in the landslide because there are so many people who are suffering unnecessarily. They're suffering. And when the country does go back to work and businesses do open, and I believe that a lot of businesses won't won't come back. And um, and I think that was planned. Like there's this thing called the pandemic Well, there's a new phrase out there called the plandemic. It, it's, you know, so this thing was planned for, for, for a lot of uh, small business owners and hardworking American workers uh, to suffer. So like I said, I don't think uh, a lot of people returning to business uh, and returning to work will vote Democrat because they've seen what this Democrat socialism thing is all about. They've seen it firsthand. My neighbor to my right can't pay his rent. So I loaned him a couple of hundred dollars to help him. You know, if he can find someone else to, to borrow the, the another $700 from, maybe he can pay his rent. You know, and I might loan him some more money. He's been my neighbor for seven years. So he's waiting on this stimulus check thing to pop in. But in the meantime, he can't pay his rent. And I believe he's a Democrat. So that's what this second episode was all about. Will these small business owners and hardworking American employees still vote Democrat after experiencing this economic fat fiasco? I would say no. And I, and I do have some Democrat friends who still are supporting, supporting the Democrats. I have a friend that drives for Uber and he was making $400 a day in San Francisco driving. His Uber money, 
has dropped to $42 per day. And he is still, <laughs> he, he is still supporting Democrats. And I said, dude, you are a damn fool. The, the people you are supporting are hurting your economic, your economic viability. So, like I said, you can't fix stupid. And uh, but I but I, like I said, he's been a friend for 15 years, or maybe almost 20 years. So I don't I don't pick my friends based on their political choices because this guy, you know, he went to a um, historically black uh, college and university. He went to Grambling. I've known him since 2001. We have worked together. We have done business together. I have helped him make money. He has helped me make money. So he's going to be a friend for life. I don't pick my friends based on their political uh, leanings. He's a guy that I can call up right now. And if I needed something, he'd come through. And if he needed something, I'd come through. So I just wanted to make that part clear. So let's move to the third topic. Independent attorneys, CPAs, dentists, plastic surgeons, insurance brokers, and real estate brokers. They are all hurting financially. You know what? There's a there's the um, there's a, a online uh, there's an online website, and they put a product they put a, a newsletter out or an email out every day. I think it's called the, uh, the, the 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 Daily Deal or the Dirt Deal or uh, something like that. There's a, it's, a, it's a real estate uh, online publishing company, and they talk about real estate uh, issues and what's happening in New York City. Every day they're talking about real estate brokers who've had to lay off realtors. Now, I'm not sure what la- what laying off realtors was all about because I thought realtors were independent contractors, but they're but they're they're laying off realtors. I believe oh, I believe these are office staff people. That's what it is. These are people who are earning a salary within the real estate brokerages. And there are there are real estate companies brokerages that can't pay their rent. So they've been in business and these are the big companies. I'm not going to mention their names on this podcast episode, but these are some of the big real estate names that are in New York. And the real estate brokers cannot pay their rents for their offices. So hopefully they will get some type of stimulus check to uh, still stay in business. But the funny thing about real estate, especially in New York and some of these big cities, You have a lot of people who aren't working, a lot of private sector business owners and uh, hardworking American employees who are not working. So that means what real estate transactions are still moving forward when these people apply for loans or they can't get the loan because their their uh, income has been disrupted. So that's going to be a trickle down effect for the real estate industry. And, uh, you know, so if you're a real estate agent and I've been one and I'm getting back in the industry here in a couple of months, what will you do to keep your business going? See, and let's talk about independent attorneys. I was on a podcast uh, listening to this this uh, podcast episode uh, up in the northwest from a Vancouver consulting firm and a Seattle based uh, attorney. And it only took, you know, a few weeks for them to 
experience a financial devastation. And so the attorney in Seattle, his wife is a dentist. So they're both shut down. They're, they're both not doing business. And so they're, they're, they're struggling just after two to three weeks of, of not having any, not seeing any clients and not having any, any money come in. So I can say the same thing for CPAs. I have a CPA client who just, she has a home in Florida. So she just got so sick and tired of, of Governor Newsom and, and his, how he's shutting down businesses and just putting all these restrictions here in California. She went to, she went to work in her second, her second state of Florida. She has a second home in Florida. She went to do business there. She's a duly licensed as a CPA in the state of Florida and, and California. Uh, same thing for insurance brokers. I know a guy that has an insurance brokerage and he was putting out this information that business is booming. I'm like, dude, please don't tell that lie because this guy is known to lie a lot. <laughs> I'm just saying that he put out this lie <laughs> to, to, to tell prospective new agents that business is booming. And again, this guy is known to lie so much. Business is not booming in the financial industry in, in terms of life insurance because primarily what happens when people lose their source of income, they start cutting back. And, and, in a, and unfortunately, sometimes the life insurance payment is the payment that's dropped because people would rather uh, pay for housing and pay for food and pay for utility than to make that insurance payment. Or some insurance plans have a, have a provision where you can miss a few payments. But what I'm getting to in this third segment of the podcast is that 321 has that solution. So here's a problem and here's a solution for these uh, independent attorneys, CPAs, dentists, plastic surgeons, insurance brokers, and real estate brokers. I'm gonna take a sip of water here real quick. The problem has always been, even before COVID-19, but especially now during the COVID-19 situation, the problem is a lot of white collar small business owners, and I just named the six, they really didn't have a, a system to generate new pros, new contacts and prospects. So everybody kind of thought that business would just come in willy nilly. And, you know, before COVID-19, maybe it came in enough to, to help them survive. Like I mentioned, the real estate situation in New York, the real estate situation here in California. I know realtors and brokers that was that were only getting deals every three to four months. Now they're not getting any deals. I know um, independent attorneys. I called a, an attorney here in Northern California a couple of weeks ago, and she just about cried on the phone that she was trying to find clients. And, see, and the thing about uh, attorneys, I mean, I have this this saying for 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 the legal profession. And believe me, you can use this statement if you want, but attorneys, or here's the statement, people do not need attorneys until they need attorneys. So what that means is that attorneys typically don't have a, a marketing system. They don't have a, a new client acquisition system. So how they get clients, billboards, 
uh, they don't get clients through social media. So if you if you are an attorney thinking about social media as a way to get new clients, please abandon that abandon that idea. Uh, people typically will not go into social media looking for an attorney. Most most people go online if they need one, uh, and then they they may see a billboard if they need one, or they may have a friend they know who's an attorney, or they may have a relative or a coworker who has used an attorney. My point is for all the industries I just mentioned, white collar small business owners need a proactive plan that includes having a dynamic pipeline. And what is that pipe what is a pipeline? A pipeline is a system where you are you are always generating contacts and prospects and, and the prospects are moving through the pipeline. And some of these prospects become appointments. And some of these appointments turn into new clients. And that's what that solution is. And I got to tell you, I wish my business had a lot more clients than it does. Now, we're doing okay because I can control it. Since I have the sales system, I know how to adjust to the COVID-19 situation. And what is my adjustment? Just make more contacts because there are white-collar small business owners who are looking for new clients. So what specifically do I mean? How do I specifically help um, white collar small business owners? Okay, there are two ways. The first way is to show them how to find new clients. Now that's that's tough. Now it's not tough for me to show them, but it's tough for white collar small business owners to say, Rick at 321BizDevLLC, I need help. That's the tough part because our pride sprinkled with a little bit of arrogance will not allow a lot of white collar small business owners to ask for help. Again, I was listening to this podcast uh, from these uh, legal uh, people up in the Northwest and they were talking about all these different things, social communities and having this awareness campaign and blah, blah, blah when all they need to do is learn how to uh, execute a a predictable sales system. A sales system that has three components. VLR. The sales system must be visible, the sales system must be logical, and the sales system must be repeatable. When you have a visible, logical, and repeatable sales system, then it's just like riding a bike. Yes, you know, you're going to have people that will tell you no. But what's going to happen, you're also going to have people to tell you yes. And the yeses are not going to be as high as the noes, but you will have people to tell you yes. And how do we know this? Because individuals have these things called personalities and, and psychological profiles. And I always tell listeners, I tell people every day that I meet, to go to 16personalities.com. Go to 16personalities.com. That's the numbers 16personalities.com and find out what your personality profile, your psychological uh, personality profile is. Now, I, I've been to that site. My clients or my contacts and prospects have been to that site. The reason why I ask people to go to 16personalities.com because it shows me 
how I need to work with them. Now, I'm not changing the sales system that I have to help white collar small business owner clients or prospects, but it tells me, I mean, that 16 personalities uh, profile tells me how I need to work with them. Because there are some people that have a stronger aptitude towards sales than others. And even those with the, with the strongest aptitude, they still need to use a sales system. Again, something that's predictable, something that has VLR, visible, logical, and repeatable uh, components. So if people want to work with me, you know, you have my contact, my contact information, you see it on the screen, but please go to 16personalities.com. And even if you don't call me, that's not my website. 16personalities.com is not my website. It's been up there for, I don't know, five or 10 years. But what, what it will do is tell you something about yourself, about some of your strengths, your weaknesses, and things that you think about. And, and for sales, uh, the best people who succeed in sales are the people who can deal with others uh, effectively. And that's a, a short way of saying something very long. But please go to 16personalities.com. Again, that is not my website. It's a website that I, that I use to um, just learn more about potential 321 BizDev LLC prospects. The fourth topic I want to discuss is, with few exceptions, most white-collar small business owners have experienced major financial shortcomings after the third week of being shut down. And yes, you still can find customers even now. So this sort of piggybacks from the third uh, topic I just discussed. Now, the, the thing about this, this topic here is a lot of white collar small business owners, they, you know, they have different uh, sort of uh, flows, cash flows in their businesses. Uh, attorneys, I just mentioned the statement about attorneys. No one needs an attorney until they need an attorney. So you can see that attorneys really don't have repeat customers. Attorneys, once they finish a case, they may never see that person again. Uh, so they are always in the hunt, to use a cliche, not, not, not um, uh, I'm, I'm speaking figuratively, <laughs> not literally, not in the hunt, not always hunting for patients. And I know the phrase uh, with ambulance chaser comes up, I hate that phrase for the attorneys, but, but what that phrase sort of means is that maybe the attorneys don't have a sales system, one that's visible, logical, and repeatable. So they are always chasing these cases when in fact they could have their phone ringing, phone, phones ring if they had a visible, logical, and repeatable way of, of finding new clients. So attorneys never have the same clients. So just imagine with attorneys never having the same clients. And now with this shutdown, this COVID-19 coronavirus shutdown, there are fewer people driving on the road. So just imagine if you are an attorney and people, you sort of knew that when the traffic was, was busy in Los Angeles, in South Florida, in Dallas, in Seattle or, or New York, people would see your signs and maybe you knew that you would have like one case per month 
or two cases per month, you know, based on spending five to eight thousand dollars on a billboard ad. Okay, now that traffic is not high because people are being told to stay in the house. You're not seeing a bunch of your phones aren't ringing. I know a Las Vegas real estate broker who said uh, and she's a good friend and, and a client that her phones used to ring 25 times a day. And now she's she's uh, it's it's amazing if her phone just rings five times a day. So dentists, the next group I want to talk about, dentists have extremely high overhead. They have employees that they're paying, you know, maybe thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars per month. I mean, per year. They have dental hygienists who are making twenty-five, thirty dollars per hour, who come in intermittently to do their the dental hygienist part. They have monthly rents that are five thousand, eight thousand dollars per month. They have their own salaries that they, you know, gave themselves. Some some dentists wanted. Or they want five, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars per month in income for being the CEO or the president or the owner of the dental practice. So now you have dentists who are not seeing patients unless it's an emergency, and they're not able to to sit down with uh, new patients and and do the fifty-nine dollar dental cleanings or the sixty-nine dollar uh, whitenings. Then to see if that person needs more intermediate or complex treatment, they're not getting that business. So just imagine you got a payroll every week, including your own payroll, of like four to five thousand dollars per week. You have a monthly rent of five to eight thousand dollars per month. So that's twenty. That's that's like almost thirty to forty thousand dollars per month. That you have to come up with for your own salary,、uh, you know, utility expenses, you know, property management expenses, rent expenses, employee salary benefits expenses, and now you can't come up with that money because you're shut down. So dentists are having a problem. So I mean, it's this thing is not it's not good. So the same thing can be said with C, with CPAs now. CPAs. And I'm talking about the independent CPAs, not the CPAs that work at public accounting firms. And of course, some of you may not know that CPAs, in order for them to get that designation, they have to work at a public accounting firm. I believe all for four years, maybe it's less, but I think four years is a safe number to use. And then they can take the CPA exam. So independent CPAs who got their certification. From working at a public accounting firm, I'm talking about the big ones: Erston Young, Deloitte,、uh, KPMG.、Um, you know the ones like that. <clears throat> Got to drink a little bit of water. So now they become independent. So they are seeing a downturn in business because some of their small business owner clients are not calling for the financials. They're calling for this. PPL,、uh, this this payment protection plan (PPP) of how they can get these checks to stay open. When in fact, the CPAs, the independent CPAs, should have been helping their small business clients find more clients, find more customers. 
the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. And you can look this up. This is free information. They have told their CP, their independent CPAs that their first goal that they should have is to help their business clients improve productivity. And I can tell you right now that 99% of independent CPAs do not help their small business clients uh, increase productivity. Um, they spend a lot of time with the, with the reporting, with, the, with, the, with taxes, um, <clears throat> and doing the things that where the small business clients, they need these regulatory or these government uh, required filings every month or every three months to the state and the Fed, you know, sending money to the state, sending tax money to the Fed. So, you know, the bottom line with this fourth um, segment is that you still can find customers now. They're out there. And I just go back to the 321 sales system. See, having a sales system, see, I people used to laugh at me. They used to laugh at my company. I recall a uh, auto, repa auto repair shop owner. This is a different guy, not the guy I spoke of before. This is back in 2010. I have this good friend from Puerto Rico, and uh, we've been friends, and his wife, we've been friends for you know 10, 10 years. So when the 2008, 2009, 2010 real estate crisis had hit California, you know, I started not noticing these small business owners, not the white collar small business owners, but the auto repair shops, the hair salons, they were being um, financially affected because people don't spend money when they don't have money. When their jobs are at risk, they don't spend money. So I went to this networking uh, uh, or this networking event downtown Sacramento and my friend's boss was at it. And he stood up and said, you know, he's here trying to network, trying to find people who need auto repair services for their cars been in business for 30 years and he was at the networking event saying that if he didn't find any more clients or you know uh, our repair customers he would have to lay off a lot of people and shut down he did not know that I knew his his employee so I introduced myself and I ended up calling him a couple of days later and ended up meeting with him and basically what he told me was and this is going to be hard for people to understand, I think, but maybe easy for some people to understand that since I was not in the car business, the auto repair business, he didn't think I could help him. He ended up laying off a lot of people. Fortunately, my friend did not get laid off because my, my friend was a, was a great mechanic and my friend uh, dodged the layoff and maybe uh, the fact that I that I told the uh, auto repair shop owner that Ed was my friend. Maybe that's the reason why he didn't lay him off. Because uh, I, I did build a, a good rapport with the auto repair shop owner. But this thing about pride, and again, sprinkled with a little arrogance, he thought I could not help him. Now, he thought I could not help him because I didn't know anything about auto repair. But what a lot of small business owners and even white collar small business owners may not understand or may be missing that there are two parts of sales. One part of sales is getting the business and performing the task. And the other part of sales is getting the business. 
and getting the business is independent of knowing how to do the task. So what I mean by that, listeners, is that if you are an attorney, if you are a CPA, a dentist, a plastic surgeon, an insurance broker or real estate broker, getting the business has nothing to do with performing the task of the legal profession, of the accounting profession, of the dental profession, plastic surgeon, medical profession, uh, financial services profession, or the real estate services profession. Finding contacts and prospects have nothing to do with executing or fulfilling the orders. And that's uh, one of the toughest things for my business to um, get people to understand that fulfilling the order is a task function. The task function requires you to have a legal degree in passing the bar. The task function requires you to have the CPA certification. The task function requires you to graduate from a dental school and with the DDS or, or um, DMD certification. The task function requires having a insurance license or a securities license. The task function requires you to have a real estate license or a real estate broker's license. The effort side, which is most of the work in some cases, does not require those licenses. The contacting and, pro and prospecting side and the appointment setting side are effort activities. I'll spell it out. E-F-F-O-R-T. Effort activities. And these activities do not require a license. And so when I look at what 321BizDev does for, for business owners, I don't need to have those licenses. I can pick up the phone and call one of you know millions of potential clients for my 321 clients and say, um, now in some states, for the legal profession, you can't call for, for attorneys, like North Carolina is one of them. And there are some other states where you can't call for that particular profession. So I know those states, but there are other ways to do it. One way to do it is call a dentist, offer your service to the dentist, your 321 service, so we can offer our 321 services to a dentist. We can offer our 321 services to a medical doctor. We can offer our 321 services for a financial services person, an insurance broker. And within that context or that scenario, we can bring the attorney in. And within that scenario, the attorney can promote his business or the attorney can learn how to find business himself or herself or people attending the 321 sales system live training or webinar training can refer business to that attorney so there are tons of ways for white collar small business owners to access you know new contacts and con uh, prospects and contacts uh, for new clients so let's move on to the last topic number five and I want to close with this one, okay? When socialist politicians could not destroy President Donald Trump politically, socialists activated their plan B, which is destroy small business owners and hardworking Americans. And I'm going to take, take a sip of water on this one. 
you know what <clears throat> again um when president trump was running for office i think there were 16 candidates running for the republican ticket president trump was my first and only pick and the reason why is because he was one of the few business or few uh candidates that had ever signed the front of a paycheck okay listen to me listeners this is very important there were a ton of candidates up there there was it was Ted Cruz it was Jebby Cakes Bush that's Jeb Bush sorry about that but that was my nickname for him there was uh Ted Cruz there was Marco Rubio and there were some other people up there i you know there was tons of people president trump was the only candidate that had signed the front of a paycheck meaning he understood small business owners ted cruz never owned a business marco rubio didn't own a business and i like these guys i mean i didn't i haven't told told people this but my ancestry from my family my great great grandfather was german and he um I don't think he married her. I think my great-great-grandmother was a slave or maybe was uh emancip- emancipated right after 1861. But my great-grandfather was German. He had a daughter named Gertrude, a German African-American in Florida. And uh she had four daughters. My great-grandmother had four daughters. from a Cuban guy. So my ancestry is obviously African, German, and Cubano. Okay, so I really liked Ted Cruz because of his Cuban ancestry. I liked Marco Rubio because he he was a Cubano and uh I'm from the state of Florida. I grew up with a lot of Cubans even though my culture was primarily African American. Uh you know I did have a lot of uh I spent a lot of time with uh Cubanos. Uh nobody in my family practiced or encouraged uh Cuban culture. Uh I believe my great-grandmother Gertrude even though she had four daughters from a Cuban guy, she never introduced uh the Latino or the Cuban culture within her daughter. So all four of her daughters went the African American route even though their ancestry, their bloodline was Cubano. So um so I so I love some of those candidates, you know, but President Trump was the only person that that signed the the front of a paycheck because he had employees with his uh, hotels, with his uh, casinos. And then I saw the leadership that he exhibited. Now some of his leadership was kind of raw, I admit it. But <laughs> Maybe that's my personality profile because I loved every minute of it. All the jokes he made to the people because they were not ready. I believe um Trump understood the other side. He understood the Democrats and he saw what was coming. And I saw what was coming from the previous 8 years of Obama. I saw all that crap. And I said, "Oh my, we can't have any weak. We can't have a weak Republican. <laughs> we need somebody strong because There was going to be some fire coming, you know, from 2016 uh, to 2020, and if Hillary Clinton would have won, all the stuff that we're seeing now would have started in 2016. I guarantee you. Because we can we see what has happened 
to try to take Donald Trump down. Okay, so so Donald Trump has been, uh, uh, you know, facing this political firestorm for the fake Russian collusion stuff, the fake impeachment stuff, the fake. Hey, I have a hotel in Washington D.C. I can't remember the term for it, but um, since he has a hotel in, in D.C., there must be something corrupt with him making money from his hotel. I mean, they were throwing the kitchen sink at this guy, and this guy just brushed it off. You know, following the Constitution, um, you know, surrounding himself with uh, great people until until he found out they were fake people, until he found out they were. Uh, uh, you know, enemies in the camp. Okay, <laughs> I'm a military veteran, so I, that was another reason why, you know, I liked him. But let me get into what I want to talk about. Okay, so they went after Trump, number numerous occasions, maybe like five, six, seven, eight, ten different ways. They went after him, <clears throat> and they couldn't get him. And even President Trump said about, I guess about two years ago, he said, he said. American people, American. I'm talking about primarily, you know, white-collar small business owners and hard-working Americans, and any American that wants to follow the Constitution and believes in the free enterprise system and capitalism. So, my podcast episodes are directed to these people. Now, if you're a Democrat and you want to jump on board, fine. You're welcome. Welcome aboard. So, President Trump said, and I will never forget this. And when he said this statement, I said to myself, "He's right." And what he said was, "American people." And I think he said this at a campaign rally, maybe a year or two years ago. He said, "American people, these socialists, these socialist Democrats, are not really after me. They're after you, and I'm the only person standing. You know, I'm the only person." Uh, stopping them from getting you. So I will re- I will repeat that. President Trump said something, and this is like my uh, version of it. He goes, uh, "American people, quote American people, they really don't want me, but I'm the only person stopping them from getting you." That's what he said, and I remember that. And when he said that, I said, "Oh my gosh!" First, I thought about it, and I said. And now they really want you, but then when this COVID nineteen thing popped up, and they started shutting the country down and telling small business owners that they couldn't stay open, and now even in Los Angeles, they are paying money for people to snitch if a small business owner is open trying to make money, and they are. I, I heard this is something I heard. The, the, the allegation or the what I heard is that. You can make money if you turn in a business that's open. You can make some type of get some type of reward if you turn in someone who is not staying at home. You know, what do they call it? Shelter in place or stay at home and oh, social distancing. So when President Trump said that that they are not really after him, they're really after us, folks. Here it is. This is it. This proves it. They are after small business owners. They are after hardworking Americans because they know if we don't make money, we will succumb, and we will acquiesce to socialist policies 
where they start sending you checks, they start uh, telling you, oh, you know, you know, kindness and gentleness and community loves you. And you know what, by the way, don't vote for don't vote for President Trump in 2020. That's what this is about. This is about bringing pain to white collar small business owners and hard working Americans. And I'm telling white collar small business owners now, you need to call me. You need to find a way when this thing is over to really work your business in a visible, logical, and repeatable way. Because now that they have done this, they'll probably try it again. Hopefully they won't succeed the next time because most people are starting starting to understand that there's too many holes in this doggone shutdown thing. There's too many um, there's too many uh, reasons why this thing looks like a hoax. You know, there are lots of people out there that are uh, pushing this thing for nefarious reasons. So I'm telling small business owners, vote for President Donald Trump in 2020. I'm telling small business owners, if you are a Democrat and you had a business, <laughs> You had a business before March 11th, and now you're struggling. Let this be a sign. And and the and the reason why I want to I want to really let people know this because, as an economic students, a student, you have to know something. Okay, in 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 um, 1917, there was this group in Russia called the Bolsheviks, and what they what they did, they were successful at it. They were they are they were successful at doing the same thing that the Democrat socialists are trying now, which is stop people from being wealthy, stop people from making a lot of money, stop people from practicing the free enterprise system, and combining everybody so we can all be together. We can all be one happy family. We can all be uh, kinder to one another. We can all have great community support for one another. We can all have this togetherness for one another. So they converted the converted Russia to the United Socialist Soviet Republic. And they told the people who voted for these Bolsheviks, which were really the communists, they told them that their lives would be so much better. Their lives would be great once they voted for this socialist communist thing. So people did it. And when the when Russia was converted to the USSR, that's what USSR stands for, United Soviet Socialist Republic, they took everything back. They promised that people would have everything that they wanted. They would have land. They would have all the food they wanted. They could have all these things because everyone was going to be together. It was going to be this great utopia. But then when the communists took over uh, officially in 1921, they took everybody's land. Um, they made people work hard without an incentive. And if you didn't work hard, you were either jailed or you were killed, depending on how you reacted to their order to work hard. Your, your sons and daughters could not pick what occupations they wanted to work in. They had to work in the occupation that the communists needed. See, in communist, communism, you can't pick what job you have. 
in communism you can't pick how you have fun you can't determine how much food your family has in the household they determine everything for you and i'm telling white collar small business owners now and this is probably the sixth episode i was going to upload but i'm going to tell you right now if you are an attorney and you think that socialism is going to keep you in business guess what they don't need attorneys in a socialist system and if they did who's going to pay you none of your clients will have a lot of money and let's move to cpas if if you are a cpa and you think your business is going to function in a socialist communist society just look at what's happening now is your business functioning right now no because this covid-19 thing has has exposed what democrat socialists have planned all along for white collar small business owners and if you are a cpa they won't need you to look at a company's books because they're going to say your company your client just has to pay and your client can't pay your client will go out of business because that is a uh, a byproduct of socialism your business clients can't stay in business they eventually shut down and the next step is for that is for the government to take over that industry so if you have if you if you have a, a if you're in a certain industry and there's a lot of customers being serviced in that industry and the small business owners cannot service those clients because the small business owner cannot make enough money the government will take over that industry just look at what they're doing in California with uh, PG&E PG&E may soon become a California government industry okay let's move on to dentists do you think in a socialist communist um government that you can make $150,000 a year as a dentist you can't i know dentists right now that had to shut down their dental practices and work as a government dentist most small business owner dental practice owners did not uh go into dentistry so they can work as a government dentist let's move on to plastic surgeons who do you think will need plastic surgery i'm talking about elective plastic surgery if people have no money if people have no money the only plastic surgeon surgery services will be uh medical necessity type services controlled by the government controlled by this medicare for all crap let's move on to financial services people insurance agents already you know obamacare was trying to you know put the health insurance uh people out of business medicare for all elizabeth warren even said if medicare for all is implemented private sector health insurance workers i'm talking about admin types i'm talking about agents will not be needed i have a sister-in-law that works for a large health insurance company in los angeles she laughed at me when i told her that but she believed it but she still laughed at me and she goes well i'm still going to vote for whoever the democrat is why would you jeopardize your job and my uh, sister-in-law is not young she's in her late 50s early 60s she may be putting herself or voting herself out of a job okay and elizabeth warren said if medicare for all is passed 
you know, millions of people that worked in private sector healthcare can all be auto and homeowner insurance agents. That was laughable because <laughs> there's too many of those people already. And nurses, nurses who have uh, union benefits because nurses work for private sector uh, uh, health insurance companies or, or hospitals, I should say. Do you think the union benefits will still be available if you don't work for a private sector hospital or clinic? You won't have any negotiating power now. So what if you go on strike? Socialist Democrats don't care if you go on strike because they don't care now that businesses aren't making any money. Do you think if you go on strike as, as a nurse that socialist Democrats are going to care? So what if people die? You better get your butt back to work and take this $20 an hour or stay at home. And guess what happens when you don't want to take, I'm talking about nurses. If you don't want to take the $30 an hour for working, even though you're making 70 now, guess what? There are plenty of nurses that'll get, that'll take the $30 an hour. That's economic supply and demand. When there's a large supply of workers, the salary goes down. And finally, for real estate agents, if you're in the real estate industry already here in California, they are taking buildings from private sector uh, investors. If your clients don't have enough money to buy a house, if the government says, <clears throat> you know, real estate agents, you're making too much money as a real estate agent. From now on, if you sell a house, what you will get is a two is a two thousand dollar commission, regardless of the size of the house. Would you still stay in real estate? You will become, in essence, a government real estate agent if they're telling you how much money you can make. So, folks, I have kept it real <clears throat> on this podcast episode. I probably won't do another one for a while. These are the thoughts that I wanted to get out under this COVID-19 situation. Again, people were laughing at me, you know, five, six years ago. They were laughing at me. Even a radio station guy <clears throat> I was calling like eight years ago, I said, um, his name was Eric. I got to take a last sip of water. He said, Rick, your comments about the United States becoming a socialist type country that is so far-fetched. Ha, 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 Rick, you're dreaming. Guess what? 2020, Rick was correct. So again, I'm telling white-collar small business owners, when this thing is over, and I hope that it's over quick, call me so that we can get a, a visible, logical, and repeatable sales system in your practices and so that we can help you with our business development services. And I just want to finally add, people say, well, is 321BizDev LLC a marketing company? And I politely say, hell no. A marketing company just takes your money and there's no guarantees of what they can do. 321BizDev LLC is a consulting firm. We work with you because the small business owners participate in the pipeline. They participate in the visible, logical, and repeatable sales system. A marketing company just takes your money and they tell you 
They will promote your company. They'll they'll do ads. They'll do social media. They'll do radio. They'll do TV. They'll put billboards up. But at the end of the day, when you don't make any money, you can't hold them responsible. 321 BizDev LLC is a proactive, participatory consulting firm where we work with white collar small business owners. I just want to add that. So if you are a white collar small business owner and this podcast episode addresses a concern or situation that you're going through right now, please do not hesitate to call me at 833-321-3212 or internationally using WhatsApp at country code 1-415-515-6760 to see if 321BizDev LLC can help you find a winning solution. We recommend small business owners looking for solutions. Visit our website at 321BizDev.com slash services to complete a questionnaire to begin the consultative process. I also want to just ask if you like this podcast episode, we now have probably 266 episodes that are like this, more toward the, the, the solutions. I just started adding this this uh, COVID-19, more so um, talking about what people should do with ensuring they have a business by electing, re-electing Donald Trump. That has only been maybe the fourth or fifth episode because of this COVID-19 thing. But if you like what you're hearing, please contribute to our Patreon website. And that's patreon.com slash biz321321. And there are some options where people can, you know, tiptoe into the 321 process. We know that people have a lot of pride and people say, well, I can make this happen on, my, on our own. Now is not the time to say, I want to take chances with my business because you see what these Democrat socialists are doing. So we hope you enjoyed today's long podcast episode. Make it a great day and God bless America and make America great again and keep America great. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.